0: Mindfulness Mode, Episode 1.
1: Just know that anything is possible.
0: Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host, Bruce Langford. On Mindfulness Mode, we talk about how people from all walks of life have discovered mindfulness and how it's impacted their lives to help them become more calm, focused, and happy. Hey, Mindful Tribe, I want to challenge you today if you know anyone whose life would be improved with mindfulness, to share this podcast with them. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I'm so excited today to introduce my guest, Kamanzi Constable. Kamanzi, are you in mindfulness mode?
1: I was born in mindfulness mode.
0: Awesome. I love that answer, Kamanzi. Kamanzi Constable is a former bread delivery guy who self-published two books that have sold, now, wait for this, over 100,000 copies. In the last year, he's lost 170 pounds and moved his family to Maui, Hawaii. You can usually find him writing while enjoying an ocean view. He's a published author, international speaker, and coach. Kamanzi is a contributing writer for the Huffington Post, Entrepreneur Magazine, Mind Body Green, and he's the lead editor at the Good Men Project. His mission is to help men and women create true freedom in life. Kamanzi, tell us a little bit more about you and your story. Tell Mindful Tribe what life was like as the bread man.
1: Now for, for 12 years, I delivered Brett. Um, it was technically, it was my business. It was like a franchise kind of situation. I was an independent contractor. Um, but it didn't feel like my own business because the company dictated everything um and when they wanted something they kind of used their lawyers to strong strong arm you into doing it so for all intents and purposes it was a job that i owned if that makes any sense that does. um but i i did that for 12 years and because i didn't i started this when i was 19 years old i didn't understand anything about business it wasn't long before i got into financial trouble um the money would come in and it was good money but I would spend it faster, faster than it came in, and I had all the fancy cars, nice couple houses, and this is, you know, at nineteen, twenty years old, cars and houses and, and all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was I was living good, but was definitely not taking care of business, and I I limped on that way for years, uh, twelve years actually in this business. In two thousand eleven. Um, everything came crashing down on my head at the same time. Um, over those 12 years, the, the business had accrued $180,000 in debt. Most of that to our buddies at the IRS. Um, well, they weren't my buddy no, <laughs> <So I guess laughs> not. That that. and you know, it got so bad that we couldn't even open a bank account in our name because as soon as we put the money in there, they would come in and they would take it. It was that bad um and so it w- it was a rough year and with that kind of financial stress it led to stress in our marriage yeah. i think most people know that one of the leading causes of divorce is um financial issues and so we we were fighting all the time we were broke it was a hard time and i'd also picked up the bad habit along the way there of eating fast food um i started i would start work at anywhere from midnight to 2am And to me, that was kind of like my morning time. I was waking up and I had to eat breakfast. And at that time, the only things that were open were McDonald's and Taco Bell and and gas stations and that kind of stuff. So 12 years of eating that junk, of drinking – 88 ounces of Mountain Dew every day to, to stay up. Um, wow. All these bad habits um, led to to the weight gain of being 170 pounds overweight. So in 2011, I was 180 grand in debt, 170 pounds overweight. Um, my wife and I had separated because of all the fighting, um, and life sucked. Oh, wow. <laughs> I can feel sucked. your pain. And, and Kamansi, were you
0: using mindfulness in your life back then to deal with some of these challenges?
1: No, I didn't think about uh, mindfulness or the only thing I was thinking about was survival. I was in survival mode. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting there one day um, just on on the living room. I was in the living room of a friend's house and I was thinking about everything that was going on around me. And I just was on the ground crying, just thinking, how am I going to recover from this situation? Like I I had no hope at that point. Um, and it just so happened that, like, randomly, as I'm sitting there crying, I got a call from a friend of mine that I had gone to high school with, and he said, "Hey, for some reason, I just felt like I had to call you. <laughs> and what's going on?" And I just kind of unloaded on on him, and he was gracious and he listened, and he actually had some some good advice, and we kind of talked through some things, and he kind of talked through some things with me for 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 the next few weeks. And I don't know what would happen if he would have never called, but he he called just at the right time. And from from there on, I realized that if anything was going to change in my life, I had to do something about it. I couldn't sit here and cry. I couldn't hope. I had to take some sort of action. And I – Happened to go into half-price books because I always love to read, but I hadn't read anything in a while. Mm-hmm. And I, I was looking on the shelf at half-price books, and this book kind of jumped out at me. And it was a book called uh, – it was called 48 Days to the Work You Love by a man named Dan Miller. Uh-huh. And I thought, man, 48 days to a job I love, that sounds like something I need to read. So I got this book, and I devoured it that, that day. Um, The book wasn't so much about leaving your job in 48 days, but it was about the mindset of getting there, about how you – Think about getting there and how you think about yourself and your dreams and what's possible. And that book kind of got me on the, the, the mindful journey, as you like to say. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it really just it changed my perspective completely on how I saw life and how I saw what was possible. And then changing that perspective allowed me to take the actions that have gotten me to where I am today.
0: Incredible. What a great story. And, and if I can ask more detail about right there, that point that we were just at, you said you saw life differently, you felt different about life. And would that be mindful? Do you feel that you started being more mindful and thinking about the moment, that kind of thing at that point?
1: Yeah, definitely. One of the things that Dan had talked about in that book was just this idea that we're not guaranteed anything we're not guaranteed a tomorrow. We, we could die today. Um, yeah. It's no guarantee. We know that, right? We know that in, in our minds, um, but we definitely don't live life that way. We live life like we're going to be alive forever. And I would always tell myself, well, you can change and you can make changes later on in life and you have more time. And I would always – tell myself these kind of things and I, I would never ever live in the moment. Um I didn't even know what that was. I was always living in other moments. Right. But that book really talked about this idea of being fully present, um, living each moment because those could be your last moments. And so at that point I stopped thinking about the hundred things that I wanted to do and, and accomplish right. and I started focusing on just one day at a time, one moment at a time. Wow, how powerful. And and then I take it, things started to
0: change with your family. Tell us about that, how how you maybe applied those same principles of mindfulness with your own family.
1: Well, it didn't happen instantly. We, we were separated, and she was definitely tired of hearing all the excuses that I was making. Uh-huh. So I was staying at a friend's house, and I told her, I'm like, look, I'm not going to give you the same spiel I always give you. I'm going to do some things and you're going to see it. And so that at that point, I started – I got on the diet. I started working out, started running um, every morning. Um, I started to try to sort out the financial situation that we were in. And I started doing some – I did some crazy stuff like I would cut my neighbor's grass. I would wash cars. I would clean houses, just whatever I could on the right. weekends to get some cash. That's what I did, right. and I started working on our debt. Um, ba- basically, uh, what I did was I started working on myself. Um, I started doing the inner work and and uh, tackling some of those self-limiting beliefs that I had struggled with for so long and acknowledging what they were and working on them one-on-one. I started doing the inner work, and as I did that, changes definitely started to happen in my life. And when she saw that changes were happening, that's when she said, "Okay, now we can we can start talking again. And then we started dating again. And then eventually, of course, got got back together. And then um, from that point, you know, this idea of of being there, being in the moment, um, living fully present. It's definitely something I practice with my kids, because up to that point, I probably hadn't. I don't think I had. Um, I missed, you know, a lot of things in their life because I was so busy with work. Right. Um, And so from that point, it was just a matter of being there, being there for them, really hearing them, hearing what they had to say and and seeing the things, all the things that I had missed and didn't understand. And it, it made a huge difference in our family and it definitely made a huge difference in our marriage. Incredible that you can take it right back to that
0: point when you read 48 Days to the Life You'll Love. I mean, that is just incredible. And then tell us when you started getting the idea about writing and becoming an author. When did that start to happen?
1: After we had gotten back together and after I had been thinking about everything that had happened that had been happening for 12 years, and, and more importantly, when I started thinking about like the working man, what the everyday working person, blue collar, white collar, whatever you want to call yourself, what the everyday working person goes through um, in their work and how much it affects their life. And I, I saw a poll on, on Gallup that said that the average work week now is 47 hours. So 47 out of your 168 hours are spent working. And to think that you can spend that much time somewhere and it not affect other areas of your life, it just seemed crazy to me. Mm-hmm. And I want to say something about it. Like I really wanted to say something about it. And I had always loved to write I had done it ever since I was a kid. I remember being in, I don't know, second grade, giving a girl a love letter because I was afraid to talk to her. <laughs> so <laughs> I was always I I was writing as far back then. Mm-hmm. But when I was going through all the stuff, those 12 years and uh, uh, that struggle, I didn't think about writing. Um, I didn't think about it at all. I didn't think you could make any money at it. But in 2011, when all this was happening, I knew that I needed to, I needed to get this out of me. And I started journaling, and that journal ended up becoming my first book, which was "Tales of the Everyday Working Man and Woman." And that book was just really talking about everything that had happened those twelve years, um, my journey to that to that awakening of of being fully present, of being mindful, of really living your life. That's that's how that book was birth. And I didn't know anything about like marketing or book marketing or any of this stuff. You know, you work as an author, you work so hard to just get the book, to just put the book together. It's not easy putting a book together. So when uh, the book had to to go out there and sell, I was a little dumbfounded. And I think a lot of authors can relate to
0: that. So you started working on your book and I know a lot of a lot of us here at Mindful Tribe, we, we write, we journal. That's part of our mindfulness. And, and basically, it sounds like that was part of your mindfulness as well. And I, I notice when I read your, your books and when I read your blogs and all the different things you've written, you are so clear and so concise, and it's just so easy to follow your message. Do you feel that mindfulness plays a part in that? What, what's your secret?
1: I would say that, that it definitely plays a part, but I know that I've, over the years, um, have read and heard and seen a lot of stuff that I really just wanted people to get to the point and yes. <laughs> not to be rude, not trying uh-huh. to be rude at all. Definitely not. But there's a lot to read. There's a lot to listen to. There's mm-hmm. a lot to do. And so I want to get to the, what are you trying to say? And that's always what I ask myself when I'm writing. I always ask myself, what am I trying to say? And what is it? Okay. And once I figure out what I'm trying to say, let's get rid of the fluff. It was, you know, it was probably when I first started and I worked with an editor for the first time, um, Bruce, where yes. an editor uh, was reading what I wrote and it was just this big, long tirade. And the editor was like, okay, what is the one thing that you want to say? The one thought. Take that and then get rid of everything else. <laughs> uh. And from that point on, that's just how I've wanted to write. And and more than that, I want to feel I want you to feel like when you're reading something that I've written, I want you to feel like I'm talking directly to you. That's my goal. I want you to feel like we're having a conversation, me and you, and then I'm speaking directly to you
0: and having met you at podcast movement you were one of the first people i met i can tell everybody here at mindful tribe when you talk with kamanzi one on one you just feel this incredible energy and you feel this positive vibe that is just amazing it's just awesome to me how you're able to take that feeling and put it into your writing so i still feel it when i'm reading your book that's that's really a, a special talent kamanzi
1: I appreciate that. That's definitely the goal. I want to uh, especially want to speak to those who are or will be where I was, you know, because I know what it's like to be that person. I know what it's like to not even think about. You don't think about the moment. You don't think about next week. You're just trying to be in survival mode. And I've learned that by not living fully present, by not living in the moment, you're missing so much of your life.
0: Absolutely. Well, I know as an author, and I've talked to quite a large number of authors, there can be real ups and downs, and it can be very difficult to stay disciplined and stay focused on your work. Tell us a story about how you've managed to do that. How have you managed to stay focused and stay on track with your writing?
1: Well, for for me, at first, it was very easy, um, because I had a day job slash business, where I was working 60 to 80 hours a week. So when I wanted to sit down and write, I had to do it in the margins and in the in-between time. And so when I sat down, I wasn't messing around, Bruce. (laughs) You had to get to it. I had to get to it. I didn't have time to get writer's block. I didn't have time to sugarcoat it. I just had to get to it. Um, Now, when I was fully supported by my dream, when I went out on my own in 2013, left that job, um, that's when I ran into problems. Because I was so used to having very little time, having a bunch of time, like having all those hours back. Sometimes I would just – the kids would go to school. uh, Tanya would go to work. And it would be me there and my laptop. And I'm just sitting there looking at the thing, you know, I would I would start writing, I'd get something written, and then I'd look at the TV and the TV was kinda calling me and Netflix Netflix was calling me. And so it it was really hard and it sounds it kind of sounds dumb, but (laughs) having all that extra time was something that I had to get used to. And so now at this point, it's a matter of the night before giving myself what I'm going to do the next day. Because if I find if I wake up without a plan for that day, the day just is not productive at all. So the night before I'll sit down an hour, you know, while we're all uh reading a book or having some quiet time or talking or watching a TV show and I'll just scribble down what are some big things. Um I'll put them in my uh uh to-do list on my iPhone. What are some big things that I want to accomplish? And I'll put those down. What are some next tier things? And then what are the third tier things? And I'll just see how far down I can get that list. But, and, having that plan definitely helps. And when it comes to writing, um, I write once a week for the Huffington Post, Entrepreneur Magazine, Mind, Body, Green, The Good Men Project, and Addicted to Success. So that's five articles every week, and then I write two a week for my blog. So I already know that I have seven articles that I'm going to be writing every week. Um, So again, I don't have time to mess around when it comes to that. Do not. No, I I got a task to do. Um, And the way that I kind of do that is I like to write in 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 batches and I like to write in themes so like all of my article writing will be all done on Sunday Um, I'll write all those articles and I like to to pick a theme when I'm writing so like this past week I I was writing about mindset so every one of those articles is going to have a different element of mindset and the beauty is that they're going to be on different publications and they don't all publish at the same time. So it won't look like it's the same thing, but it's, it's this idea of mindset was kind of the general theme in all those articles. And and I try to keep it consistent that way when I'm writing for, for all these different publications, just kind of pick a theme. And then how can I dissect that theme for that specific publication?
0: That's incredible. That's awesome to hear some of your, your, your methods about how you, how you manage as an author creating that much content. And I have to admit that four-letter word just jumped right out at me when you were talking because I'm reading Are You Living or Existing, the book that you wrote. And so this morning I woke up and I thought, that four-letter word. And the four-letter word I'm talking about is the word plan you need to have a plan and Komatsu so you really emphasize that in your book and so i wrote a blog myself and i said something about i hope you don't mind me taking this idea from what you've you've created and i i put something about you know that secret word that can really help you achieve success and then i i wrote about that and you know it because it's really important to have a plan. I mean, I think so many of us just, we kind of are drifting. We're drifting from one place to another where the current just happens to take us. And you, you really emphasize the importance of that plan because you lived it. You made a plan, and you decided what you wanted to do, and that involved moving to Maui. It involved being an author. And not only did you create that plan, but you turned that plan into reality. And I mean, that is just fantastic to talk to someone who's actually done that. And and it's just very, very exciting. Now, here at uh, Mindful Tribe, I know some of us have trouble staying disciplined With mindfulness, you've talked about how you stay disciplined with your writing, but, you know, if you you have it in your mind that you want to meditate every day for 30 minutes or you want to have a certain guided meditation before you go to sleep or something like that, do you have any tips on how you would stay disciplined with that part of your life?
1: I think it's a matter of the plan, but I think it's also just creating good habits um, in your life. So for me, I'm I'm a Christian, so for me it would be prayer, prayer in the morning and and prayer at night, nice. um, and also reading 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 my Bible and mm-hmm. and reading some books. So I'll. I'll always start my day that way well i'll actually start it with a run um i'll wake up i wake up at 4 a.m and i'll go and i'll, and I'll run some miles then i'll come back shower and then it's a uh, prayer reading the bible and then whatever book that i'm reading but and then at night uh it'll be the same thing but it's 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 creating those good habits in your life and they don't happen overnight and it's not easy. And I think I heard read somewhere that it takes 66 days to create like a habit in your life. So it's, that's a lot of days of, of doing the the same thing. But I also think too, uh, it's your, it's your perspective. So if you look at this as something that you have to do, um, you're not going to want to do it and your success rate probably isn't going to be very high. But if you just make like a little shift and realize it's a privilege that you get to do and it's a privilege that you get to do something that helps improve other areas of your life, I think that helps helps you to get on that journey to form those good habits. And then once you have those habits, it's just – it's executing every day and trying to find something new and interesting during that time. I mean I, I learn something every day. <laughs> I learn I learn a little nugget every day. But having that – Prayer, meditation, whatever you want to call it, right. um, I think it calms you because we're we're in like an interconnected world. While I'm sitting here talking to you, Bruce, you know I got my phone off, but the notifications are popping up on the screen, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's uh, cars, there's everything else. So there's a lot going on in our lives, and our lives are super super busy. And that's one thing that I've definitely learned um, from moving here to Maui is just this slower pace of life um, and, and enjoying the moments and, and taking time to enjoy it. So that, that quiet time, I think it's vitally important for your life, for your sanity, for centering you as a person. Um, l- realize how important that time is and realize what a privilege it is to have that time.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I love what you said about that. And, and when it comes to discipline, I love how you said to tie your desires, your discipline, what you want to put in your life to your plan. Tie it to that. Don't think, oh, I just, I have to do this thing. It's, it's all about the why. Why do I want to do this thing? Well, it's because I I have a plan and I, I have ideas about how I'm going to achieve that plan. So that's fantastic. Come on, see, I'm sure you know. I've uh, worked in the field of bullying prevention for over a decade, and I've I've seen how the practice of mindfulness can make a huge difference in the lives of people who have been bullied, whether they're children or adults. Do you have a story? about bullying, either which involves yourself or someone else that you know, and maybe how mindfulness was involved, or maybe it wasn't involved. Do you have a story you can share with us about that?
1: Yeah, it was um, right before I left bread for like three or four years, I had one uh, customer that I worked with. He was the only customer that I worked with. Uh-huh. And he was such a big customer that he'd actually provided, you know, a $60,000 a year income. So, um, you know, he was kind of my lifeline, right. And, but he was, he was very abusive. He was, he was a bully. Um, he would say things to demean me. Um, and especially once he got wind of like me self-publishing my book And going out there to speak and stuff like that, he really became a bully then because I would go and I would speak at these events like on the weekends. Uh Um, I worked during the weekend. On the weekend, I'd be flying. Like, this is crazy. On the weekend, I'd fly to like Japan or Australia to speak at a conference. And when I got back, you know, I'm pumped. I'm like, this is exciting. I got to go to another country. I got to speak. And the first thing he would say was, "Uh, I hope you had time speaking um, speaking at that place, but now you get to come back here and work for me as my grunt, you know, and he would, he would say stuff like that. And it was three, it was four years of verbal abuse, physical, uh, not physical, mental abuse, um, just anything he could to tear me down. And I definitely during those times, like when he would th- say things or be on the phone, I would have to pause and I would just have to, to pray there um, and I had to have some quiet time. Sometimes I just had to walk away. But just taking that time to just take a breather and compose myself helped me, prevented me from, you know, like physically coming after him or or who knows what. But that, that mindfulness, just being aware of what was going on with um, the situation, being aware of my feelings, I think it's it's important to be to be mindful of your feelings, and to be honest about those feelings. And I think just that mindfulness of of myself helped me, uh, prevented me from getting into what could have been a bad situation.
0: Totally, totally. What a great story and mindful tribe. I hope you heard that really loud and really clearly about how you know those things happened to Kamansi, but he just kind of stopped. He he took a breath. He composed himself and he said a little prayer. He just he just used that form of mindfulness to just compose himself and realize, you know, it's about living in the moment and and he controlled his emotions through that method. So that's really incredible and that's very very awesome that you're sharing this with us come on see my next questions are part of my favorite segment the multi-mode round so just short 30 second answers are perfect here's the first one who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness practice
1: Just one. (laughs) It's going to be a split answer. Definitely Dan Miller because of his book. But I would also say Leo Balbalta from Zen Habits because he's I've read his stuff since, I don't know, 2011. And he's has some really good stuff to say about that.
0: Excellent. How has mindfulness affected your emotions or those of your coaching clients?
1: Uh, it's, it's helped me control them, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, being aware of them and what's going on has allowed me to kind of analyze and get them under control versus being impulsive. Like I, I used to be a very impulsive person. It just acted how I felt. So being mindful has, has helped me, um, um, control them. And it's definitely something I, I teach my coaching clients.
0: Excellent. You've already touched on this, but tell us how breathing is a part of your mindfulness practice.
1: Yeah, I think taking a few minutes um, in a situation, good or bad, just to to close your eyes and take some some deep breaths and let it in and let it out. I I definitely think it makes a world of difference, especially if it's a negative situation. Um, I think it, it helps you get your bearings. If you could recommend a book on mindfulness, what would it be? Um, I know that Leo Bobalta has, has a book for Zen Habits. I want to say it is Zen Habits is the title of the book. So that's, that's a good one. I'm going to say though, um, a different book and it's called just blow it up, uh, fire, firepower for living in unlimited life. And it's by Dixie Gillespie. We'll put that in our show notes. Can you share an app which helps you to be more mindful? Um, I have a few few different apps, um, a few different sleep apps that I use. I'd have to look. Let me look at my phone. Sure. Sleep Alarm Clock is, is one of them. It helps me. Um, there's one called Sleep. It's an iPhone app. That one helps me. And then there's another one called Deep Sleep.
0: Excellent. What advice would you give a person who is new to the whole idea of prayer and mindfulness and they'd like to start using that in their life?
1: I would say, uh, start creating the habit. Um, start, start slow, start every day. Um, tr- try to form good habits in your life. Um, if for me, for prayer, uh, prayer is just kind of a, a conversation with God. Yeah. <laughs> and I think a lot of times we want to make it into, I don't know, like a big experience, right. but it's like, it's like you're talking to God. You're, you're talking to him, um, and so so talk to him. And you know, if you believe in God, you believe that He knows everything that's going on in your life already. So it seems kind of silly to to hold back. Um, if it's just meditation and kind of taking that quiet and calm, tune everything out the best that you can. Turn off all the things, all the notifications, all the gadgets, blah blah blah. Get to a quiet place if you can, and I realize this is not going to be a lot of people. If you can, go go by the ocean. Um, a lot of times I, I live, I can see the ocean from where I am now. I live like less than a mile from it. Um, a lot of times I like to go there in the morning or night, and I just like to sit on the beach and just take in the energy of the ocean right. and just calm and quiet and and, and nobody's around and just let the water and, and the ocean breezes and all that just kind of calm and soothe me.
0: Isn't it incredible the power of water? It's just been fantastic to talk to you and to learn about your life and hear your stories, Kamansi, and, and how you apply mindfulness in your life. That's great to know, and you, you keep your calm. You work by the ocean. You you have that focus where you do all that writing, and you have the life you love right there in Maui. It's an incredible story. So thanks again for joining us here at Mindfulness Mode. All the best to you. You take care, Kamansi.
1: Uh, Thanks for having me. Um, And if you're listening to this, just know that anything's possible.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. In appreciation, I'll mention you at the top of an upcoming show. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.